my favorite um, story I think I've heard so far, people have used it, was a gal that linked, she, she's, a, she's an entrepreneur, she has a startup. She had a really interesting startup, but she's struggling to raise money. For those of you who aren't aware, um, only about 2% of venture capital goes to women-led companies in the U.S. 2%. So just let that sink in for a minute. Um, she was struggling to raise money. She didn't really know why, and she took a presentation and, and matched up with a guy who runs healthcare for Walmart in the U.S. Very senior guy, great guy. And she asked him to listen to the presentation and dude it up. She said, like, help me make this something that men can hear. Um, so he did. You know, he helped her change some of the language. He helped her think about different ways to communicate. Um, and she successfully uh, closed a, a big venture round not that long after. Now, I don't know if that was the reason. And maybe it just gave her confidence, you know, but... You know, I think about stuff like that. I think, wow, you know, that's really interesting. This is the MTP Connect podcast. My name is Stuart Dignam, and that was Lisa Soonan, otherwise known as the Venture Valkyrie. Our topics today are entrepreneurship, venture capital, the rise and rise of digital health, and gender equity. Lisa recently visited Australia from the United States. She's an entrepreneur, a group leader at Manet, Phelps and Phillips, looking after their digital and technology businesses, and she's the founder of C-Sweetener. She's a VC investor who believes that delivering better gender equity can improve your chances of venture success. Lisa joined And Health at its recent Digital Health Summit and Women in Digital Health Lunch, and that's where she caught up with MTP Connect's Shannon Osrin. So I've been working at the nexus of technology and health for most of the last 20 years as an investor primarily uh, in healthcare longer, but really focused on the technology side since I started in venture capital in the late 80s, late 90s, excuse me, and um, have done a fair amount of work as an investor in the space, but also as an advisor to companies um, and a board member to companies focused on digital health in various forms. In the States? In the States and a little bit also in Europe. There's been a tremendous amount of interest in digital health, I think, both in Europe and in in U.S., but, um, you know, there's still young markets, and it's still an emerging field, and we're starting to see some adoption, but uh, it's been slow, frankly, in both places. It's not not dissimilar that way. And what has been your experience like coming to Australia and seeing our healthcare system Mm -hmm. and and digital health as well? Well, it's very interesting. It's obviously a very sophisticated market here in a lot of ways on the digital health front, you have organizations like And Health and MCRI, you know, working hard to develop the community. I'm sure there's many others as well. Um, I, um, you know, I think the biggest challenge here is access to capital and access to ex- experienced uh, management in these fields. So it's probably a little bit further behind than maybe some other places, but it, obviously that's kind of you know working its way through and trying to, to, to come up in a big way. So I think there's, a, you know, I've met with a number of companies while I've been here, and I've been very impressed by what I've seen. And uh, I think a big challenge for Australia is that most of these companies believe they have to move out of the country in order to succeed. And that's a shame because it prevents you from building the ecosystem of entrepreneurs and supportive organizations around them that you can sustain it here if they all move out, right? So, But hopefully uh, that will change over time as well. And has that been your advice to when you've been talking to mm-hmm. these uh, companies here? It really varies. I mean, I think some companies must think about, you know, how to enter bigger bigger communities in order to, to prosper. And some others might be 
better off staying here and growing more locally. Um, I think it just really depends on the aspirations of the entrepreneurs and the appropriateness of the product to the market. So I've seen I've seen both kinds, you know. Mm. Um, but I also think while the U.S. is a huge market, it's not the only big market in the world. Yep. And Asia might present some opportunities for companies that are better in some cases. I've given a lot of advice this week. I was one of the reasons I was here visiting was to meet with companies, uh, mostly the companies that are affiliated with Ant Health and some with Planet Innovation, and to help them think about strategy. You know whether it's related to here or elsewhere. Um, gave a few talks about you know entrepreneurship and, and company building and the like and. Um, I think there's, you know, there's great opportunity for some of these organizations. Others, I think, are not quite ready for prime time, you know, that haven't really thought about the product market fit and what's the problem they're solving and the like. But, they'll, you know, that's the same everywhere. There's always good, good companies and, and less than good companies. Right. And how did you actually get into what you do now? How, what kind of spurred you to start? Mm-hmm. In the venture world? Yeah. Um, I was an entrepreneur, helped build a company in the healthcare world, uh, it was successful, and we had a, a real focus on using levers of improving quality to reduce cost, which at the time, in the late 80s, early 90s, was very unusual uh, to think about, that mm-hmm. it was important to reduce cost, and that you could have better quality at lower cost. Those were generally di- not believed at the time, right. um, but I and my colleagues believed and we felt um, that you could f- create companies, not just the one we had, but others that you know, supported that concept. And we started a venture fund together in order to fund those, those ideas. And I've been in the field ever since. And was your company, did it start off primarily um, uh, female or No, mix? I was the only female in that organization, mm-hmm. yeah. And how was that experience? Uh, it was fine. You know, I... I um, it was mostly fine. I think it was more challenging, not with my colleagues, uh, but with the portfolio companies at times. Um, you know, in venture capital in America, only 8% of the women or the, of the partners are women. So I was, you know, an anomaly, you know, mm-hmm. not often seen. Uh, very rare for me to be on a board where there was another woman or, you know, see management teams with lots of women. Sometimes it was fine and sometimes it was very challenging. You know, I think there was a time that I was on a board, and I, you know, I uh, was chairman of the board actually, and, and uh, we were looking for bankers, and a very uh, long day of interviewing bankers and teams of bankers to come in, and the third team that came in to meet with us, um, one of the young men who was part of the banking team went around and shook everybody else's hand in the room and deliberately uh, withdrew his hand from me when he came around to me. He assumed I was the assistant and that I uh, was worthy of having my hand shaken even then, I guess. Um, but uh, I was the chairman of that board, actually, and um, it did not serve them well in terms of getting the business. Uh, that was one incident. I, I, you know, I remember another incident. I was on the board of a company that was focused on, originally on um, surgical neurological surgical products but uh, but for a variety of reasons uh, ended up switching over focus on gynecological surgical products but there were no women involved in the company and when they were explaining to the board of men and plus me their approach to the market um, it was very clear they did not understand what was happening in a gynecological visit 
actually literally what happens with the workflow is like. Right. You know, just, just like <laughs> a bunch of guys sitting around talking about what happens when you go for your annual visit, yep. which none of them, of course, had ever had. Yes. And I'm not sure they ever spoke to their wives about it or anybody else for that matter because it became pretty clear from their proposals and, and presentations to the board that they did not understand the market opportunity. It was astounding. <laughs> And it wasn't that they don't have first-hand knowledge, because most of the time, people don't have first-hand knowledge of the, you know, the types of problems they're solving with their companies. That's very common. It, what they hadn't done is taken the time to learn from people that weren't themselves and weren't like themselves. And it was a terrible mistake that many, many entrepreneurs make in many fields, but this was particularly poignant um, because they were so very wrong and uh, couldn't see beyond their own eyes. And, well, hopefully they learned from that and they... No. You, you don't think so? <laughs> no, I don't think they learned from that. The company did not succeed. <laughs> <laughs> On the subjects of succeeding and injecting gender equity into the digital health sector, Lisa has established a not-for-profit mentoring initiative, C-Sweetener, which aims to propel female leaders in healthcare via mentorship. Speaking at Anne Health's Women in Digital Health Luncheon in Melbourne, she explained how it works. In my spare time, I have spent a lot of time and energy trying to work towards uh, gender equity and, and equality in the workplace. I have been amazed at the experience I have had. I've been lucky. I've, I've been able to be successful. And um, I think it's really hard a lot of the time for women to achieve the levels that they wish to achieve. And I think the, the sort of the... The circumstances in which we often find ourselves are um, not intentionally negative, but turn out to be difficult to overcome. So I've spent a lot of time thinking about that and trying to fix it, to the extent that I can contribute to that. Um, Bron asked me to talk about C-Sweetener as one of my, um, I guess, my biggest contribution in that way. I do a lot of writing about the topic also, actually, if you went to my blog at venturevalkyrie.com, you'd see, and you'd go into the category called Girls Rule, and you'd find articles I've written about this topic, but um, C-Sweetener was a company that, it's a not-for-profit company I started in the U.S. Uh, I, I started it because, I guess maybe because I'm old, young people call me and ask for advice all the time. Um, they, and I got to the point where I was getting so many inbound uh, requests for assistance, for guidance, for mentorship, for you know, can I just have an hour of your time, that it uh, would have become a full-time job if I responded to it. So I was sitting at my desk on a Friday afternoon, very frustrated that I couldn't be, you know, sort of fully responsive to that. I'd like to be, but just can't be. And also I, I, I was recognizing that a lot of the time the people that are coming to me are really talking to the wrong person. I'm not the right person to give advice about the business plan of a biotech company, for instance. I'm not a scientist. I don't know. Um, or about certain aspects in academia, you know. Yeah, I, I teach actually, but I, I'm kind of a visiting professor and I don't play in the politics of it all, so I don't really know. Um, so I was thinking to myself, wow, wouldn't it be great if there was like a way to find um, a, a people who wanted to, to be responsive to this, other than me just forwarding this email to somebody else who's gonna go, oh my Lord, I have 30 of these. Um, it would be awesome if there was like a match.com where you could match up the women, and men too sometimes, but, but, but especially the women who are coming for advice and mentorship with people who actually wanted to provide it because they like to give back, but, but in, a, in a way that you could monitor the flow and, you know, and control the flow. And then I had this epiphany that you could actually do that if you uh, just got the right software and the right people involved. Um, so I 
did that. <laughs> so we created a company called Sea Sweetener, which is, for all intents and purposes, a match.com that matches women in healthcare leadership. And it's really focused on women who are sending into leadership, not people just coming out of school and the like. And mentors, men and women, who are interested in providing guidance and advice. Um, and we asked the mentors uh, who do it for free because, frankly, we tried to pay them and they didn't want it. Um, because most people like me really want to give back. It's just you can't give 30 hours a week. Um, but they would give an hour a month or two hours a month or what have you. Uh, and we asked them to be available for that amount of time, an hour a month, and to be willing to talk to you know, whoever matched with them that made sense. You know, Because the matching al- there's a matching algorithm just like Match.com where you put in what you're interested in talking about and you put in some personality stuff and you know, this and that. But the people are all over the country of the U.S. and there's some from Europe as well. We don't have much of Australia going yet, but you know, it's all, it's all digital, so there's no reason why you can't. Um, the, you get matched to, to a mentor and you get 12, basically you join and you get 12 uh, connections a year for that fee, for the $500 that you pay to join. And you can talk to one person 12 times or 12 people one time or whatever, you know, based on whatever you're looking for. People come for all sorts of reasons. They come for uh, guidance around career development. They come for guidance around their business plans or how to run a board meeting, how to get on a board, how to deal with their annoying boss, you know, how to deal with um, the challenges of being a parent and a, and a professional and all of those things. You name it. I mean, I've, I've seen lots of funny, funny stuff on there and very uh, not funny stuff as well. Um, and so now we have a couple hundred mentors that are active in the platform and, and several hundred mentees who come in. Um, we've grown pretty slowly because it's just a, it's a labor of love and, you know, it's a corporate sponsored type of thing. So this year we're going to kick off more of a fundraising campaign and try to grow it. But it's, it's a wonderful thing to see because I think people so appreciate the opportunity to talk to people who they normally can't get to anyway. Because the mentors are people who are CEOs or, you know, board members, professionals, you know, lawyers and consultants. We have, you know, government officials and people in leading in academia and all over science and, you know, really everybody from all across healthcare. And it allows people to have a free and open conversation that they can't have through maybe the mentorship program that their company affords them. So from her years of experience in healthcare and venture capital, working in the U.S. and Europe, and increasingly in Asia and the Pacific, what's her high-level advice for people starting out in the digital health world? Just really understand the customer and the user, and they're not always the same people. Oftentimes the customer is an insurance company or the government or the um, you know, hospital, the, the entity that's paying the customer, mm-hmm. and the user is often the patient or the doctor or the clinician. And you have to spend enough time really understanding their needs before you decide your technology is great. You should not start with technology and then go figure out what to use it for. And I think that uh, is an, is an oft-made mistake by entrepreneurs is that they get enamored of technology and things they've invented um, without regard for the problem that needs to be solved. You know, not being effective communicators is a big problem. Um, you know, and I think there's a lot of tools and resources out there to help entrepreneurs be effective, and they should be utilized. Mm. You know, nobody really has to start from scratch. And you reckon you'll come back to Australia? I sure hope so. Thank you so much for talking to me today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. That's Lisa Soonan, group leader of Manet, Phelps & Phillips's digital and technology businesses, and the founder of C-Sweetener, speaking with MTP Connect's Shannon Osrin. 
A big thank you to Bronwyn LeGrice and her team at And Health for hooking us up with Lisa. And that's it for this edition of the MTP Connect podcast. We really appreciate you checking us out. We'll be back again soon with more stories from the medtech, biotech, pharma and digital health sector. So until next time.